Hi, y'all. It's Angela, and welcome back to another episode of Business Unveiled. And I'm super excited today to be talking with one of my very best friends. It just took forever to like get our schedule synced, but I'm excited for you all to hear her story because she has an amazing passion for children. And for those of you who know me really well, you know I don't like love kids <laughs> until they can like have a conversation with me. Um, but my brother just had a baby last week, so I am adapting to them a little bit better. But just the heart and soul and passion that you have put into your company, into your business, and now pivoting and talking through all of that, like how you're now growing a personal brand, because it's like, it's not only cool right now, but like, I love our ages because we're about the same age and um, we know what we're doing and like we want to help a bunch of people. Welcome to Business Unveiled, the podcast designed to help you thrive in the creative community. Here's your host, events and productivity consultant, Angela Profit. Hi, y'all. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Business Unveiled, expert tips and secrets from top creative industry professionals, where we take you behind the scenes of our past experiences in the creative industry and share with you what we have learned from them and how they have made us stronger. This podcast will help you grow a productive and profitable business to launch you into success within the creative industry. Today's podcast is brought to you by Vlog Easy. That is V as in victory. Vlog Easy is an app in the iTunes store for iPhones that help you make content videos as well as vlogging on the go to share with your audience. It has absolutely transformed the way that I do video and communicate with my audience. If you are looking for an app that allows you to edit on the go, or if you simply don't know how to edit videos, this app allows you to do just that. You can record yourself in a quiet room. You don't have to remember what to say. You can simply look at your notes, and each time you're quiet and you pause, the Vlog Easy app takes all of those quiet moments out and edits everything together. It's like magic, and it saves so much. Time. Vlog Easy allows you to record in vertical or horizontal formatting. You can import existing videos that live on your phone into the app and so much more. Vlog Easy Pro gives you the unlimited cloud backup as well as removing the watermark. Give it a try for free today. The link is bit.ly bit.ly slash vlog easy. In all caps, vlog easy is case sensitive. So be sure that you've got that caps lock on and you're putting in vlog easy in all uppercase. V is in Victor, L-O-G-E-A-S-Y. Give it a try. So, um, so I'm excited to bring on the founder and CEO of Jones Therapy Services, Ginger Jones. And a couple of things about Ginger before she jumps on. She 
was 40 under 40, which is like this big thing in Nashville, which is amazing. And most recently was one of the women of influence in Nashville, which is huge. And then the fourth, this is your fourth year on the Inc. 5000. How does that make you feel? Uh, um, you know, I, it's crazy because it makes me feel like it's pretty incredible to make the list once, but then four times in a row, was like I just look back and think of all the the great things that happened over that time and with that growth but of course I also think like we worked really really hard and that didn't come without its own sets of challenges so it feels really good but it also feels like that was nuts you know and I and I hope we do it again for many years (laughs) that's awesome well before we dive in and really start talking about like the therapy and I feel like you provide therapy to like moms with with kids and therapy for business leaders and things like that. But before we even jump into that, share with us a little bit about your background and your story and your passion. Where did you grow up? I know you went to Mississippi. We both went to UT. You got your master's there. So share a little bit with us about your journey to how you started Jones Therapy Services. Yeah, so. Um, I, first and foremost, would, I think the best place to start is that um, I was born to two deaf parents. And so from a very early age, I was exposed to a need, like a, a special need, a disability, whatever you want to call it. And so um, I just grew up like a front row seat to what it's like when you are, for my parents, missing a sense. And so... Um, you know, I have so many great things that happened to me because of that. I think I was forced to pretty much grow up pretty early. And I think because of that, I was really self-reliant and a, a really responsible kid, which I think has played out in some great ways. But also, I just, I got to see how people didn't understand their disability. I mean, they didn't understand them sometimes because of their speech, but they also just didn't understand them and everything that comes along with it. So the other part of that is my, both sets of my grandparents always talked so highly about their speech pathologist. And so, it, to me, it was like this way to help people, this way to have great relationships with people, which I, I don't know where it came from. The only thing I can think is that because of my upbringing, those were two really important things to me. Um, so I knew I was really young when I was like, I know that's what I want to do. And thankfully, I th- I'm very grateful for that like laser focus on that. Um, so I went to went to University of Mississippi to get my undergrad, and uh, then went to UT Knoxville to get my master's. And one of one of the my favorite stories about this is my first year at when I went to Ole Miss, and I was my first year of being as it's called Intro to Communicative Disorders. And the lady, or my professor, I shouldn't say <laughs> the, the lady. The lady. I'm like, are the lady now? Um, she said, I don't know why she said this, and maybe she said it every year she taught, but she said. This is Intro to Communicative Disorders, and if you're here because you want to work with deaf children, you, you don't need to be here. You need to go across the street. You need to transfer to the School of Education, and you need to be a deaf educator. And I was sitting there like, wait, my whole life, like here I am like 20 years old, and I'm like, no, my whole life I want to be a speech pathologist, and I work and work with kids with hearing loss. And so I was kind of like, nah, I'm like you don't know me, you know. And so I kept on the speech path track. 
And then I get to, which was like two more years of undergrad, and then I got to UT Knoxville, and I got waitlisted there. So this whole crazy thing of the fact that I ended up at UT Knoxville, and like the very first day I'm there, they have this like kind of navigator for you, and she looked at me, and she was like, oh, I don't know if you know this or not, but they have a concentration here for people that want to work with kids with hearing loss. And so it was just this like really serendipitous moment for me, because I was like, at the very beginning of my education, I was told, I don't know why, that this isn't for you. And she didn't say it to me. She said it to the whole class. And then when I'm getting ready to begin, like, my secondary education, it was like, not only can you do this, but this is a place where you can specialize. <laughs> so so I left graduate school with, like, 200-something more hours in working with kids with hearing loss than, like, your average speech pathologist, which made me really marketable to come back and get this job that was, like, my dream job because my parents had started um, the Vanderbilt, the Wilkerson, my grandparents, I'm sorry, my grandparents and some other parents along with some professionals had started the Vanderbilt, the Wilkerson Center, and my dad was one of the first students, and so that's where I worked, and I did that for about six years, and I loved it. I mean, I, I never didn't like my work with the kids. I've always loved that. The longer I was there, and I think the, I got into, like, middle management, I just... I guess I'd always kind of been a natural leader, so I was kind of good at that, but middle management was not for me. <laughs> it was like it was like you're in some control, but you can't make any decisions. And I think that was that was the beginning of the end for me of working for somebody else because it was um, I wasn't able to be creative or like problem solve in the way now that I know um, may, you know that I'm good at. Um, so uh, I didn't have a business plan, didn't have a marketing plan. All that stuff was really kind of stupid in hindsight, but I just decided to leave and start my own company, and that was 10 years ago this year. Yay! Happy 10-year anniversary. Are you going to have a party? Yeah, we're actually working on that now. I don't, yeah. What? And I, So Ginger's <laughs> birthday, her husband, like, secretly texts me, and um, we're, like, talking back and forth, and I'm like, can you just ask Ginger, like... <laughs> Because we're both, like, control freaks, but, like, in a very healthy business leadership way. And then he, like, picks a date. I'm like, well, Mark, I'm going to be out of town. And, like, selfishly, but I know it's her birthday, so, like, I can just FaceTime and say happy birthday. Did you ever no, do it? we never What? <laughs> because I think I, I got in the middle of it. And he, the other night, was like, I really wish you never knew. So, anyways, we're, let's plan So, she never had a birthday party. Two parties. Uh, yeah, so I think that we need to have a party for your 10th anniversary. So, like, what was the first thing you did? You're like, like, did you have a space and you, like, was it just you or did you have people? Like, what did that exit look like of, like, I'm just, screw this. I'm going to go do this myself. So, like, what were the actionable steps with no business plan? I mean, clearly, you just get fed up with, I got fed up with politics and healthcare. So clearly, but like, what did that path look like? And clearly God still took care of you oh, yeah. because you're taking care of people. And I tell people when they're like following their heart and their passion, no matter what, like, I don't know how some months <laughs> I'll look back. I'm like, how the hell did I make it before Catalyst? Because I didn't know a damn thing about numbers. And then I'm like, you know what? I'm, we're good people. We provide for other people. We try to help and make other people happy. You can make everybody happy. But it's like God always provides, even when I didn't really know how to use QuickBooks or, or I didn't have an account or anything. But what did that look like, like in the very, very beginning? Yeah, um, I, I think I'm so glad you said that because there's really no other explanation for it sometimes than like divine intervention. But also that I think and I, it's a gift I know now, like I sometimes am really blind to messing up. So I think sometimes because if you think 
if you're thinking of all the ways something can go wrong, it's kind of like, you know, what's the saying? Like it, what you think about comes about. There's so many sayings that are kind of like that, you know? And so I, I'm like, sometimes optimistic to a fault and so but I look back on moments like starting a business without a business plan without a marketing plan without um, any kind of formal education in business and I think I think that's what got me through was that there was like no option to fail because I was so blindly optimistic about it so um, definitely in the early days I was I just thought, you know, oh, I'll see some patients. I wrongly did this, like, math, right? That, like, oh, if I could charge this much. And then, you know, it's like, it's never, I'm not good at math. I don't know what I was thinking. Uh, So, um, but I do, I think that what, again, when you kind of talk about being passionate about something, I think that, like, for anybody that's ever met me in that capacity or in any capacity that has to do with my work, like, I, I just think I'm. it's pretty evident that I love what I do. And so even when I've screwed up, I think that you get a lot of grace when you just, when people know your heart's in the right place. So um, I did get a small space. This is so funny to think about it because I had like patients that were in wheelchairs and it was upstairs, but that's all I could afford. I had no, I didn't even like say, I saved some money, but um yeah, so, like, some of the families still kind of joke me about it. They're like, remember when we had to carry our, like, 12-year-old kid upstairs? I'm like, oh, my gosh, I know. Um, but I remember, well, this is one another one of my favorite stories, is the day I signed the lease. And I, like, went to the grocery store. And I remember in my head going, well, I mean, I make this much a month. So, at the worst case, and then it was like, Ginger, you don't make anything a month anymore. Like, you don't have a job, you know? And so, I knew, you know, I just went from that, like, well, this is my paycheck, so I know I'm going to make this. And that was automatic. Like, when I was worried about money, it was like, oh, well, you make this. So, at worst case, and I, and I just remember, like, standing in Kroger and being like, I don't have a job. <laughs> like, what have I done? So, I, it was just me. Um, and I did a lot of trial and error, a lot of just, I did a lot of like, why didn't I do this before I quit my job? <laughs> so, so I would say you could maybe save yourself some tears if you like did nights and weekends working on your new thing while you were still at your old thing, you know. So I, I did that, but it, I didn't do it long enough. I would say I probably for like five months did that and I should have done it for a year to make life easier. But, but here we are. But I will say that the people who I know that do that, they, what's that saying? Like, if it is your side hustle, like, you don't need the money to put bread on your table because you have a real job or whatever. Um, so you don't work as hard yeah. because you don't, you don't need the money. Yeah, like, it's like just your side hustle. So to me, if it, it almost knowing you really well (laughs) I think it just made you hustle more and hustle harder and to get more patience so when when was the point where you're like okay I can't do it by myself anymore could you really afford another person at that time like what was that next step of like and y'all when you hear how many clinics they have now and how many all women right oh now we have two guys okay (laughs) new that's new um but like almost an all-women team with two guys um isn't it cool just to like when you say it out loud like how far you have come so like how did you know like I need that first person and then could you really afford it or did you not know you just knew you needed somebody and how what did that look like yeah that's a that's a great question I I would say a couple different things about that is um, one is 
uh, I got some great advice, which was not my first hire. This this was later on, but I just say this for anybody that's listening is that, you know, when you look at what you're doing and what bringing somebody on could free you up to do more of, that was really powerful. For me, that jump and that advice came about hiring somebody to help me, like an assistant or a nanny, because I had a new baby and a new business, and I was like, literally felt like I couldn't breathe sometimes. And um, so a coach that I had then was just like, hire somebody like five hours a week, you know, and what you'll be able to do with that five hours a week is amazing. So I was, I say that was not my first hire, but I would say that in this context, because I think that's helpful. Um, But I, I get, I kind of did the same thing was I hired somebody like one day a week around the office. Cause I, I was doing everything. I was like marketing. I was seeing patients. I was, um, trying to network and like order business cards and more, you know I mean? Like doing, I was every, I was janitor. I was everything. And, and my billing was falling behind and I would lay in bed at night and think I saw all these patients today and I haven't billed for them in weeks. And you know, with, with health insurance, like you've, you've got a limited amount of time, not to mention that, that when that claim comes back, the family's going to owe you money. So if you're just like holding on to all those claims and then submitting them at one time, then the bill to the family is going to be huge. So um, so I, the first person I brought on was to like just do some administrative stuff. Um, and because she's still with me, she was with me for a couple of years and then she left and she came back. So um, we there was such a trust there. And I think she really trusted that I would grow the company and she would have more than a one day a week job. And here she is all these years later with working she could work 80 hours a week if we, if, if the law allowed it. So, um, but then also when I hired my first therapist, the therapists are sometimes an easier jump. And I would say now we don't have anybody as 1099s, you know, but back then when I was smaller, it's some, that may be the thing to do for some people is like bring somebody on as a 1099 and just see how it goes. Um, now I don't take that risk. Like everybody's W2 just for, you know, law reasons and stuff like that. But I think if you're smaller and you're really not controlling their work, um, that may be a good idea to be able to afford it and then build them up to maybe an employee. Well, and I feel like now nowadays with social media, um, I feel like, did social media exist when you started? Facebook. Okay, so Facebook. Well, I remember when Facebook came out, my brother was in college and he was like, so there's this thing, but you have to be in college. <laughs> you can't have an account. And I'm like, well, I don't really want people knowing what I'm doing. That's just kind of weird. I mean, for two, three kids that were raised by an undercover cop, like yeah. we're everything was secretive, everything. So I'm we. I was still like, that's a little weird. Um, but I feel like now there's such an advantage to people who are starting their business because. But then I have new people that I work with, and they're so overwhelmed by all of the options and like what to choose and where to market and where do I get my logo and where do I brand and where do I get signs for my my locations and it's just it's so much um in terms of just like overhead so you started to grow and it sounds like to me it, it therapists which they go to school for a long time and have a lot of hours and a lot of training but to me it's it's almost like um you know, the guy that highlights my hair, it's like wherever he goes, I'm going. And like the facial, the esthetician, it's like wherever they go, I'm going to go because they know my skin, they know my hair. So do you feel like therapists, when you would gain new therapists, you gain new customers because they're able to bring customers in um, with their children with special needs? Or did you feel like all that marketing was on you? Like you had therapists but they were new and you had to be like the mommy of building up their books so they could all get 
patience and establish that that trust. Mm-hmm. And so how did that look? That's a really good question. Um, I would say a little bit of both. Most of the time when people come, they're not bringing people with them. And now, you, like you said, the more experienced people sometimes do, but I don't, that to me isn't like a, a sell on hiring this person versus that person because I want to control some of that to some extent as part of like the brand. Now, I don't, I don't tell the therapist how to run their sessions or anything like that, but I also you know, like you said, with like the guy that does your hair or the, or somebody that does your facial, I think what sometimes can happen in these relationships. And for us, we see patients sometimes multiple times a week, so weekly. And I'm, I think that sometimes there's an over dependence on somebody when I want to really empower the parents and we are with the children this much time and the parents or the caregivers are with them so much more than that. So I, I think in a way, one of the ways I've tried to stand out is that you can just rely that anybody we've brought in is going to do a great job with you and is going to care about you and is going to try to meet you where you are to maximize your child's development. So, so yeah, certainly there's people over the years that, you know, like I had people that left where I was working and came with me. Um, I think that's just bound to happen like it would anywhere. But I, I also try to, because you got to think too, then that could also hurt my business if people leave and then their whole caseload follows them. Like that kind of stuff can be challenging. And then there's, there's non-competes sometimes in our line of work and all that. So, um, so I've just really tried to create a company and a brand that people can trust. Um, and just know that like whoever's inside of these walls is, is taking care of you, um, and cares about you. So your first location was in Nashville? No, here. In, in, in Franklin. In Franklin. Mm-hmm. Franklin, Tennessee. And then when did you know, okay, it's time to expand and expand again mm-hmm. <laughs> and expand again. How did you decide that? And what did that look like for the company? And what did that look like for Ginger <laughs> as the leader and the mom? Um, I, I honestly knew, and this, I think this is an advantage of being, I had, I'm born and raised here, but then on top of that had worked here for six and a half years. And then as my company grew, it was all here. So I do think there's some advantage to like, I just had connections, but that's a relationship advantage, right? So it's not that you couldn't go do it in a town where you move to. Um, but I just referral sources. I mean, my first hire of another therapist was that people were calling and saying like, we were in Murfreesboro. So Murfreesboro was our second location. There's all these families in Murfreesboro and they don't have anybody like, can you come work out here? So it started out with like, can I was like, well, no, I can't because I'm busy here. And now I've got this employee here, you know? And so my first person was somebody that worked in Murfreesboro and she worked on Saturdays. That was it. And I have, my growth has been very organic and sometimes very like duct tape, you know, but um, I've never borrowed money from anybody else. And um, I own a hundred percent of the company and I'm not, I don't know that it'll always be that way but that was that was important to me in those early days um so a lot of times it just looked like I mean we've moved this is probably the best picture of our growth is that we have nine locations now but we are probably about to do our 19th move and it's and I don't love that it's a lot of like picking my family up on the weekends and my husband doing you know crazy things in the offices and building things and my staff coming in on the weekends when we move but I always it, it was always too scary to me to like go, let's get a 7,000 square foot office when we only had a 1,500 square foot one. So like I'll go from the 1,500 to the 
3,500, you know, <laughs> um, but I just, and, and margins in healthcare, at least in our place in healthcare are not that great. So you can't just, you can't always rely on, um, the fact that you have a waiting list now. I mean, even today I was reading about some changes that might be coming down the pike for reimbursement, um, with what we do. And I think that, um, I've just, I've been skeptical enough and I guess kind of, um, the one place that I've just, I'm just like super conservative and I, I grew up like probably lower middle class and we, um, I never just had everything I wanted. So <laughs> I think that it's just that trickled over into how we're in the business. And I just, I always want to be lean because I, I think I want to be a good steward of everything we've been blessed with. And so to me, I, mean, I know you've probably worked places and I've worked places too, where you saw somebody that was like only answering phones, you know, and you're like, really? Like, <laughs> like, can this person do something else while she answers phones? And so that's everybody that's here probably wears like five or ten hats, you know, on their slow days. <laughs> I don't even know if I answered that question. No, you did. It was great. So, so the the, the bottom line is, you continue to grow. Mm-hmm. You didn't have a business plan, yeah. but going back to you had the passion, and and I love that. Um, switching gears a little bit. So I know you were a therapist. And so do you, cause do you, you don't see patients anymore? Do you? Yeah. So you don't see patients currently. Um, I know you have a, a huge team. You also have a personal brand where you go and consult with other practitioners who want to open their own space and so forth. And there's only so much time in the day. And so when you decided, I'm not going to see patients anymore, I'm only going to focus here, what did that feel like? And how did you make that leap? Because I know it's a control freak with me, and it's my my brand, it's my baby. And how can I just pass off clients, patients, you know, to someone else on the team? Like, that's hard. So what did that feel like for you? Yeah, that was... um that was not easy. And I did it slowly. So I went from probably seeing like before I had kids, I would even see patients on Saturdays. So working definitely more than, you know, 50, 60 hours a week. Um, and then the more people I brought on, the more that was needed of me, obviously. And, um, I delusionally thought that, um, I could, I could be a lot more face to face with people for a long time. And I remember one night sitting on the couch and Mark was like, you know, you can't do that forever and grow. And I just could, again, not good at math. You know, I was like, yeah, I can. And, um, and you know, famous last words, but so I, then I probably reduced, I think over the span of like two years, I went from like full caseload and doing payroll and do, you know, all this stuff to like 15 to 20 hours a week and, and slowly cutting back. And, um, you know, I think, I will always love seeing patients. Like even now when I pop in, I mean, I, or if I do a session to cover for somebody, I like, I'm at home there. It feels so good. I love coaching parents. I love, I love, you know, getting parents to, you know, teaching them what to do at home so that they can like maximize the development. But at some point I realized I'm not the best person for you anymore because I'm like, and as the session was getting close to over, I got the fact that I got to go run and do payroll. And, you know, um, this is back when I was doing even that kind of stuff. I don't even do that anymore. But I realized I wasn't the best for them. And then I really thought like, what, again, when I go back to saying why I wanted to do this, I wanted to help people and I wanted to have relationships. And so if I really focus on being a better leader and growing this business, and at some point I knew I was like, I must be doing something right. You know, I was like, how many more kids can, I really help, you know, so now it's not so much that like I'm working with this child and this family and, and, 
and that's my impact. It's that if I'm doing a good job of running this business and making a great place to work and then how, I mean, the reach can be like more than I ever would have dreamed as a kid. So, um, so it was slow and, and to this day it's still, I'm still happy to get in there, but I also really love, um, all the parts of, I shouldn't say all the parts that would be like, we don't love all the parts of running a business, please. I love most parts of it. <laughs> I don't like any of it. I don't like anything about running the business at all. I'm like, I got to do what? Um, that's the, but the good thing is like the older you get, the more experience you get. You can afford people who can like run shit for you. In terms of building a culture and, you know, you have a ton of locations. How do you ensure that the culture the more people you have, the more people you have, the more locations you have, the more risk you're taking, the more overhead you're bringing on. Like, how do you create that company culture of, like you said, you take on, and I don't know about you, but it's like a barrier or sometimes, like, we're our worst enemies of like, oh my God, I, another location. It's almost like, uh, like doing another wedding or something, you know, for us. It's right. just like, how do you communicate that company culture to make sure that every therapist and the front desk part, everyone is important. Everyone's role is important. So what steps do you have in place? Which what I'm thinking of is like what you did when I came and talked a little bit about. So I want you to share like those best business practices of like, even though, I mean, even today, like I walk into your office and you're like, we're about to turn this into another room because I'm not even here. Like it's kind of a waste of space if you're not here. So you're expanding that way. So how do you keep that culture? Yeah. I think um, I mean, a lot of ways I would say. One is like getting really tight about core values. And I think that probably some CEOs don't think that core values and I know they all think they're important, but to me, they have to be what's really important to the CEO. Um, and so I had my leadership team help me with that, but I knew ultimately, like, it had to be my things. Like, what are most important things to me? And then, so getting really tight about that, and, like, we've got them around the office. And, and so then the next step is that, like, you know, as you grow, you're going to need leaders around you. And because I couldn't, and, I, and a lot of people I've talked to, somewhere between 20 and 40 employees, it gets really wonky like you can't sit around the same table for us we couldn't sit around the same table we weren't in the same office you know um so that was a that was a weird point right because uh, up until until 20 employees it's really easy to know everything about everybody you know you you know their dog's name you know all this stuff and then you get you after that you can't really and then you can't have eyes on everything so for me a leadership team is integral and we have we have a leadership team that's just a leadership team but we also have a clinical excellence team and we have like a welcome committee that watches people their first six months so um the leadership team and my clinical excellence team are probably the most like they know like I'm expecting when if I asked anybody how you're doing on core values one to ten I'm expecting an eight and above on everything so your leaders have to be like living and breathing um what you have decided as CEO is like the most important things to your company and then we too like what every time we have a leadership team meeting we send a thank you like a handwritten thank you note or a text or something to somebody on the team and and we always include what core value they're like killing it at right so if it's in choose optimism or whatever um so we enforce reinforce them in that way 
Um, another thing that you mentioned, I would I call my communication rhythm because that's something when you get again between that twenty and forty when when you got 15 employees and you need to tell somebody something, you just go knock on a door, you know, or you just send an email. It's like, hey, um, and not that I couldn't just send an email now, but there's so many layers. Um, and so I certainly do, but we have a, a communication rhythm that's like quarterly, all hands on deck. We have monthly staff meetings. Um, I have communication rhythms with like my direct report so that I'm never not in the loop. Cause like you said, you get to a point where, you know, I feel like a lot of people, it's a blessing to be at a place where everybody's kind of doing what they do best and I'm doing what I do best. Um, but it's really easy to let things like slip through your fingers if you're not like meeting and staying on top of all those things. So I think core values, I think having people that um, help you carry those out and then communication rhythm. And and part of my communication rhythm too that I just added within the last year is meeting with everybody within their first typically 30 to 60 days. And, and it's crazy because I've did that I had done that before and it wasn't as like rigorous, right? But obviously I met everybody and they would say, I just love working here. It's so positive. It's so fun. Everybody's so kind. And now what I always say in that meeting is I say, yeah, that's right. And that's not on accident. Like that is so very much on purpose and by design. And now you're part of it because you, we are going to make mistakes or somebody's going to be going through something and it's going to be toxic to the culture. And so I just let them know very early that it's my expectation now, like you're part of the family and you're part of the crew, whatever you want to call it. And you have to help me protect this. And so my, my, I, and I tell them, I'm like, it's not like somebody's going to get fired if they do something that's out of alignment with the core values. My first attempt is always going to be let's coach and let's, um, let's see how we can get somebody back on the bus, you know? Um, but I think that's, it, it's weird too because people feel like they're tattling and I'm like no like it I do not ever want somebody showing up to work and seeing somebody's car in the parking lot and being like oh great so and so's here today like no that's like unacceptable to me especially when we all went to school as long as we did to do work that we love then to have a job we don't love is like tragic to me so I mean basically it's just streamlining open communication and making things very clear that this is a positive atmosphere. Um, is there like one story, just so our listeners really understand like the impact that you've had on providing jobs for all these therapists, but like for the takeaway for the kids and like the outcomes, like, and I know you've probably helped millions of kids by this time, but is there like <laughs> thousands, thousands, gajillion, <laughs> I don't even know if that's a real word. Um, but do you have like one story that just sticks out for you that is like, oh my gosh, because this child was a patient here, you know, for example, they came in, they couldn't say anything and then it took them 24 months and within 24 months they did this. So, and I know you have your people track stuff, you know, and you have to chart to get your insurance company to pay the bill. This is where my healthcare days come out from charting on um, psycho patients, like <laughs> mentally ill. I don't mean that in a disrespectful. <laughs> and we didn't have EMR. We didn't have electronic medical records. So everything was handwritten. Um, and sometimes insurance companies would deny the claim. And then it was because my notes weren't good enough or clear enough. And I'm like, shit, this is bad. Like, this is my fault. Um, but it taught me to be very thorough. And sometimes I'm overly thorough. And they're like, but then I retract and I'm like, oh, I didn't give enough information. So that's my fault that you did that. Oops, sorry. Um, I'm not mad at you. I'm mad at myself. 
But it's, it's and that we are both, we are very much alike in that way. It's one reason I love you is because you, if someone makes a mistake, it's an opportunity. You want to talk with them. You want to work through it. You don't want to throw them under the bus or throw them out to the bus station. It's like, let's try to work through this. You give people chances. I mean, to me, it's like three strikes, you're out, we're done. (laughs) We tried. Um, But that's just, again, it, it goes back to like helping people. But is there like one story that just sticks out? I know it's hard yeah. when people are like, "What's your who's your favorite yeah. client or event?" I'm like, "Oh my god, there's so many." But is there just to help them understand like the outcome of how you have impacted a parent's life? I honestly, as you were talking, I there's not one. But I think what's even cooler about that is that I still I've been doing this um, 16 years and had the business 10. And what I realized the other day is that even the tiniest thing, like I shared on my social media the other day that a mom took her kid for registration at school and he could, she texted a therapist, she didn't even text me, um, and said he could talk to his teachers and they could all tell the difference. And I thought, man, that's the, that's honestly in a speech pathologist world, you've done some, you've like moved mountains. Like I've got deaf kids. You would know that aren't you wouldn't even know they were deaf. Um, because technology is good and I was good at what I did, you know? Um, but I'm like, even the smallest thing, like being able to talk to your teacher or it, and it's funny cause you, it, those moments are all around, but then sometimes because of the nature and you know, in healthcare it's because of the nature of like just the human brain and human body, like you go through periods where you don't see any progress. And so I, I know sometimes my therapist will be like beating their head against the wall and sometimes parents are too. But what's, what I still love about what I do is sometimes it comes out of nowhere. So a couple of months ago I pulled in the parking lot and I was here and you know, the back is like more of an open parking lot where the staff parks, but a, a boy that was like, I mean, he was not doing anything gross motor wise um, when he came to us was like walking through the parking lot, you know? And so, and I just like sit there and I'm like, <gasps> you know, and, like, and so I almost love like, there are those big things, but I just almost love that there's like these little things So like a mom stopped me a couple months ago and like her son had been homeschooled for a long time, but like socially, um, you know, I think she was ready to like send him, but because he had some needs, that was like a really scary thing for her. And she stopped me and like tears in her eyes and was like, thank you so much. And I'm like, Oh my God, you didn't need to tell me that, you know? And like, so there's just the, to me, there's like all these little, little things that add up. And, and for me, from a spiritual standpoint, they always come at the time when I need them the most. So that's really, it's like, to me, God's like going, okay, you're doing the right thing. Like, keep going, you know. I know. And you, until you are surrounded by someone with a handicap or an impediment or whatever you want to call it, um, you don't really know what those small wins look like in life. And so, um, like my sister is in a wheelchair and has been for years and she can't talk. And, but when she stands up, not by herself, (laughs) um, but you know, she has therapists five days a week, different types of therapists that come and, you know, the therapist will say she was able to like hold the fork today for five seconds And, you know, we take for granted that we can just like walk into with our two legs, um, a Starbucks, get a drink because traffic wasn't that bad. And then, you know, use our hand. But when you're around it, just like you were saying with your parents, like you really have to stop as a person sometimes and just thank God and like be mindful and grateful and thankful for all the little wins because, I know as business owners, like I said, we're our worst enemies where it's like, I'm an overachiever. But 
you have to remember what you're doing for others and what's that why and what what's the passion behind it. So how did you decide to, again, pivot and, and grow your own personal brand? Did you have people coming to you and they're like, Ginger, I need your help. Like, I want to do this and I want to do this. Or was it something where you're like, okay, business is good and, and we've been growing. We have more locations. I really... People need me on the other side, which the other side to me is like other therapists that want to be a business owner, entrepreneur, because it's so different. Like the one side of your brain is like so patient focused and then the other side has to be business focused. And so how did that become? And also you were telling me that you consult and coach the parents when your therapists are really focused on the kids and then you're there to help the parents cope and help them through, like, my kid's not normal. And, like, I mean, even when I worked in mental health, like, there were some moms that, like, had kids with disabilities and they were suicidal because they were single moms or they ended up getting a divorce or their husband's cheating on them. Like, y'all, this is real shit. Like, and it sucks. And not a lot of people want to talk about it. But one reason I think people come to you is because, like, you're real you're honest and like, but you're nice about it. You know, your sweet Southern girl charm. <laughs> it's like you, you know how to approach people and they feel like they can approach you. So is that like kind of started what to happen? So for those of you who are listening, that who have had a business and you have a team and you have other locations, but you're toying with like, okay, I really feel like my heart is being pushed into something else to like help further. Like, what does that look like? How have you transitioned your time into that? Um, it's kind of a loaded question, but um, I've, I've always loved teaching. So I think I think so it kind of comes naturally with part of why I love being a speech pathologist, right, is there's like a teaching component to that and a helping. And so um, there, at some point, I, I think, you know, people, I definitely have always had parents asking me for advice. I'm, I'm in no shortage of like having a drink with a girlfriend who's like, oh, tell me this about my kid, you know? So, and I, and I think what's really cool is like, wouldn't it be neat if like everybody had us as therapists, we have to know normal development to work on a typical development. And so after that started happening a lot, I was like, oh, what if everybody had like a therapist, fr- not a counselor friend, but like a therapist like me friend that they could just bounce stuff off of? Because I can remember having a conversation with somebody who didn't know that like kids shouldn't be on passies. And I'm like, well, that's why our teeth don't close, you know? And you're like, oh, and it's like earth shattering to her. But I'm like, that's kind of, you know, that's like what we do in our sleep. So there's that aspect that I've kind of always done. And I still, I love that because sometimes you can just feel I'll be on the phone. I was on the phone with a mom last week and you feel her shoulders drop a little bit. And not that I'm giving saying your kid's going to be okay because I, what's okay and I can't make those promises. But I do think that what I have the ability to do and what my team can do is just it, it's, it's normal in some way. And that this, you know, maybe you just found out your child has autism and that's your new normal. But I know so many parents who were on the other side of like a diagnosis eight, 10 years ago and they wouldn't change a thing, you know? So I think because I have, you know, being at this age and having this much experience, you've got stories to share with people that just put them a little bit more at ease. So, um, so that's kind of like the parenting and the, you know, being a mom aspect of it. Um, but I, at some point, I, again, like, I'm like the fact that people would ask me advice sometimes. <laughs> I'm like, I didn't know what I was doing for so long. But then it's like one day I woke up and I was like, well, I must, again, I must be doing something right. And I just started to get like requests and um, 
and then again, my, my passion for helping. And then another thing is that I recognized at some point, like I really being in front of people, which are like me too, it does not bother me one bit. In fact, it's kind of like, um, I'm very introverted in some ways, but then very extroverted in others. And, and I don't mind being in front of a crowd of people. So you could, as long as I knew the topic, you could put me in front of 5,000 people and my blood would, my blood pressure wouldn't even go up. I would probably get excited, you know, but I don't get nervous. And I think at some point when I was like, Ginger, that's like a gift that God did give a lot of people. And some people don't want it. Like Mark doesn't want to read a book in front of people, you know? And I think so, um, I think when I realized that like, okay, people are coming to me, I like teaching, um, I have value to share. And then on top of that, I have this, um, what I believe to be a gift of like not being fearful of speaking in front of people as it was almost just like one day it was like, oh, that's the next thing you're supposed to do. Um, because so many, uh, if you, have you read the E-Myth? That book? Yeah. Okay, so it's about like, I, yeah, I, well, I, I talk about this a lot, but it's about a lady who bakes pies, and everybody's like, you should start a business, and so she opens a pie shop, and the next thing you know, she like hates making pies because the business aspect of it, and so, you know, I, I jokingly say, you don't find anybody that owns a bunch of pediatric therapy companies who's not a therapist because the margins are so small, like nobody would work this hard <laughs> to like, to be like, oh, there's little, that little profit margin, you know, so, so because of that, though, you've got all these therapists with like, no business background. I shouldn't say all. A lot of with no business background and bleeding heart. So I can't tell you how many people I've talked to whose staff were getting like four and five weeks vacations and making double the money they were paying themselves. And I'm like, you can help nobody if you don't have money, you know? So, so me just even like, and I'm not saying like, I, there was a lot of years people, I, we didn't have paid time off for years in my company. And we, there was lots of benefits that we didn't have because we couldn't afford them, you know? And so I think that me being on this side of where I am, it's so funny because I was um, consulting with a practice in Texas and I was talking to her the other day and so many things she said. It was a gift to me as much as I hope I was a gift to her because she was saying stuff and I'm like, that's where I was five years ago. That, And so I was like, I was so proud of her because she was like smarter than me five years ago. But um, so, yeah, so it's it's been fun for me. Again, I think, and you probably know this too, there's a weird part about like putting yourself out there in some ways. Um, so it's sometimes a, you're probably much better at it than me. I follow you. Um, there's a, you know, I think it, I think anybody with like any ounce of humility kind of goes like, you have those days of like, I mean, do I know what I'm talking about? <laughs> you probably don't. I, I should start interviewing you now at this point. <laughs> about certain subjects, like ask me about design and ask me about, planning or technology or productivity um i could i can probably teach a class literally asleep but don't ask i mean don't ask me about politics or history or geography like half the time i'm on a plane i don't know where the hell i'm going i'm like i have to look at my calendar um so but that's also where we know like stay in our lane and focus and like I kind of just make fun of myself and you, you really do get to a point where you have to laugh it off and people are going to find flaws in you no matter what. And like recently I was given a, I was speaking to, I don't know, there's probably 350 people there about chatbots. <laughs> and the girl that put on the conference, she's like, I feel like this is over people's heads. And I'm like, this is where the future is going. And if we don't address it at these conferences that these people are investing in to learn new shit, 
Like, how do you expect them to walk away from this conference saying, I learned something new? Like, I don't need motivate. Like, I'm not there to motivate you. I'm there to give you actual tools that you can implement. And then what happens is people are like, well, can I just pay you and can you do it for me? And I'm like, well, that's not really what this is, but I guess we can talk about that. And so it's, it's just, I don't, I don't, I don't go into speaking to people thinking like there's going to be this outcome of downstream of work. It truly is to like help people. But if we don't have thought leaders that are out there talking about these things, then how are the people who are trying to grow going to learn? So, but I do try to stay in my lane. I've had people, they're like, can you talk on this and this and this? And I'm like, you know what? I need to do a one sheet and make it very, because I wasn't clear as a brand. Like, what am I going to stand for? What am I going to teach and talk and be an expert at? And I can talk your ear off about productivity. I'll take your phone and your computer and in an hour, like you'll be a different person because you don't know what you don't know. But that's one thing that I think the success path that you've been on and been able to grow is because you do focus and stay in your lane and you stay like on that subject. Um, It's just, and I love that you don't care about getting up in front of 5,000 people. Like some people would like, have stage fright and like, but again, when you're passionate about it, you don't, you don't feel that. I don't know. Like, it's just something like you can't explain kind of like my sister. She's like, you've never had a kid. You don't know how I can't explain labor to you. Like, I think it's gross. And she's like, it's the most beautiful thing. And I'm like, and I'm never doing that. (laughs) Oh my God. Um, But if people want to connect with you, Um, I know you have ways for people to connect with you for the Jones therapy services. And then also if you'll let our listeners know like where you're located, um, because I know you have kids travel to like come and see your, your therapist. And then on the consultant side, if people are trying to grow their business or, um, some of the organizations that you have gone and spoken to and, probably made a huge impact, like just by people listening to you for 45 minutes. Where can people connect with you? A couple different ways. Um, if jenstherapyservices.com is where you could you can find our Facebook there and our Instagram and everything, when that's going to be more for somebody that's looking like, I think my child might have autism, or how can I, um, we, I think we did something recently about gross motor skills on the playground. So lots of stuff for like parenting and development kind of stuff. And then on um, gingerjones.com, which you can find my Instagram and Facebook and all that stuff there, um, that's, I just, it's kind of my place to talk about everything I'm passionate about. And, and to talk about what you were just saying, somebody told me once, because I was the same way. It's like, well, I love this and I love this and I love this. And it's like, but at some point it's like, what you love everything, Ginger, you know? And, um, but somebody said, write down like three to five things that if somebody said, I'm going to pay you X amount of dollars to speak, but you can't talk about these things, like what would break your heart? And I was go- I was getting ready to go away on a trip. And so um, I was meeting up with some friends, but I was there by myself for like a day. And I just sat down and it's, I still have it. And it's one of my favorite things, but I made this like umbrella and they're like the points I drew out this umbrella and the points it was like all the things that like if somebody said you can't talk about your 
your journey as a working mom and how, you know, that I would, that would break my heart. Right. So that was one thing. And then you can't help clinicians be better clinicians, you know, and you can't help parents with children with special needs and, and you can't talk about business or leadership. Like I was like, that would break my heart. So that really helped me like focus in. So gingerjones.com is where like, if I'm feeling like I want to talk about, um, how you fire a toxic employee, I write about that. You know, if I want to talk about how you, you know, make a road trip easier for your kids. I'll talk about that. So, um, so that, and then, you know, you can find me, I share, share a lot on Instagram and things like that. So gingerjones.com and jonestherapyservices.com. So I just have a title for the podcast <laughs> and a picture. So we need a picture of you standing oh, yeah. under an umbrella and then, like the salt girl, the yeah. And like, but I mean, Amanda and Aja are better at like the titles, but it's like, what is your, your umbrella points look like? And so, and then people are like, what the hell? What do you mean? Um, and sometimes to be funny, like I'll Photoshop words into the picture. I mean, to be funny, but it's like, like you said, if you had to pick three things, like the takeaway is what are those three things that you're good at and you love to do? And y'all know I don't love paper that much, however, in this exercise, like the pros and cons and what you love and what you don't love and what you have to do versus what you can pay to outsource someone to buy yourself more time, like what does that look like? And so that exercise and the umbrella just makes it fun, <laughs> especially if it's cute um, and colorful, then when people ask you to do shit and you're like, uh, I don't do that. Like when they're like, can you come on and do DIY? I'm like, I don't DIY anything. Like, however, um, people do need to know they do need some direction, you know, so we have developed things like that because there's a need for it in the market, but I'm not going to go sprinkle it all over my brand and put it up under my brand because that's not what we do. We serve people. And so I just challenge you, if you're listening today, to think about, like, what is under that umbrella? And you can only fit so many. Think of it pouring down rain in a tornado. How many heads can you fit under one big golf umbrella? Maybe three. No more than that. So what are those three points? What are the three things that you love to do? And also, what no one, what do you have to do in your business that no one else can do? Because that's the question. Because like you said, there, I love doing so many things, but no one can teach the productivity classes because they haven't, even my team, like they know a ton, but in terms of teaching it, they don't have the passion for teaching. They'd rather sit behind the scenes and do like social media stuff. So really, really think about that. And, um, and then let us know, like chime in on our Facebook group, hook up with Ginger if you have a child that you're not sure if they have what is it called delayed development is that a okay I don't want to use the wrong words I don't want to offend anybody um but if you have a question or you feel like you're alone or you're like why is my kid not normal why is my kid not talking like reach out to ginger like that's what she's there for and I know you're like this because I'm like people are like I don't mean to bother you I'm like you are never effing bothering me like it actually makes me feel good when people ask me questions and then I can help them. And then like the smallest things like really make a difference. And that's what keeps us going when you have to do the sucky side of the business and you're like, okay, I'm going to get over this because it's about the people. So don't forget that. 
So thank you so much for listening today, guys. And be sure to go to jonestherapyservices.com. Or if you have, if you're just a mom and you have a question, or you're a therapist and you're looking to grow a business, check out gingerjones.com. We'll put it all in the show notes. And please, please, please comment, like, and make sure you are a subscriber so you don't miss out on all the juicy details on Business Unveiled. Thanks so much for listening to Ginger. Thanks for being here today. Thank you so much. It was fun. Bye, y'all. If you found this podcast helpful, please share it with your friends. And I'm so very grateful if you leave a review. Be sure you are a subscriber so you never, ever miss the juicy details of Business Unveiled. Also, be sure that you were part of my email list. And if you're not, sign up today at AngelaProfit.com, where I share valuable resources and exclusive products with only my subscribers. Now, before I go, I want to ask you, if you have a story or a product to share with the creative industry, please let me know. To be considered as a guest on Business Unveiled, visit AngelaProfit.com and submit a podcast guest form. Until next time, remember to stay productive and profitable. You've been listening to Business Unveiled with Angela Profit. Join us next time as we share our experiences to help you be more productive and profitable in your creative business. For more great resources, visit AngelaProfit.com.